why should I respect the oppressor when they doing nothing but harming and hurting me and other people like me? Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. On December 27th, inmates in McCormick County, a maximum security prison in South Carolina, locked an officer in a cell in an escape attempt. Five inmates were later caught at an interior fence and six to ten additional inmates are under investigation for their involvement. There are reports of internal damage to the prison, including broken lights and windows, as well as fires set. According to a press release by SCDC Director of Communications, Christy Shane, two inmates were taken to a local hospital with non-life-threatening injuries and no one else was injured. The last few years have seen significant inside and outside organizing to address conditions at SCDC facilities. In 2017, McCormick came to national attention as prisoners reported three straight days without potable water. Prison officials reportedly sealed the windows with metal sheets, blocking all natural light. Over a thousand activists sent a letter to the director of the Illinois Department of Public Health urging the evacuation of the Vienna Correctional Center, quote, until it could be removed or shut down completely, end quote. The letter alleges that the prison's electrical system has become so dysfunctional that the generators are being used to operate the prison, and as a result, inmates are having to wait for hours to leave their cells to use the communal sinks to wash their hands. Furthermore, the generators are unreliable and release noxious fumes. The letter states that when the generators fail, medical providers have to hand out medication by flashlight, and any resulting errors could be fatal. The letter asserts that the prison is infested with black mold, and that rodents live in the kitchen and dining hall. A study found that 75% of Vienna's prisoners reported a dearth of cleaning supplies, so they weren't able to keep their cells clean. Over 80% said that although the prison isn't in lockdown, they weren't permitted to exercise in the recreation yard the week before. The Uptown People's Law Center in Chicago filed a lawsuit in 2012 to improve maintenance and sanitation at the prison. Alan Mills, executive director of the law center, said, quote, The basic problem with Vienna is that it has been allowed to deteriorate for decades, end quote. Due to the COVID-19 virus, Wabash Valley Correctional Facility closed the visitation room in March. General population has been maintaining contact with the outside world during the pandemic through the use of video visits on kiosk machines located in every cell house, though shoe prisoners have been unable to see loved ones in nine months. With family members and loved ones dying or falling ill with COVID-19, the refusal to place a kiosk machine on the shoe is causing extreme mental and emotional distress for both inmates and those on the outside. Solitary confinement inmates have also been barred from purchasing picture tickets and tokens on commissary, so they are unable to send pictures to their families. Inmate Kwame Shakur has released a demand for Wabash Valley Correctional Facility to place kiosk machines for video visits on the shoe as soon as possible. As a result of this demand, at least 20 prisoners have filed grievances. 
The facility grievance specialist returned everybody's grievance without officially attaching a grievance number or allowing it to pass through the proper chain of command. Therefore, no higher authorities know that this issue has been raised, and there is no documented paper trail showing the exhaustion of all administrative remedies. The grievance process is the final step a prisoner must take in order to take his or her case to court, or even challenge on a facility level to seek relief. Without it, you cannot move forward within the facility or pursue legal action. In addition to the illegal denial of video visits, people being held in the solitary confinement cages of the SHU are not receiving the diets or access to commissary they are entitled per IDOC policy and procedure. There is an organized call-in on January 4th to Wabash Valley CF Warden Frank Vanahel and the IDOC central office to demand, one, that video visit kiosks be installed on the SHU and that people caged there will be allowed video visits in accordance with IDOC policy and procedure. Two, that people caged on the shoe be allowed the diets and commissary they are entitled to under IDOC policy and procedure. Warden Frank Vanahel can be reached at 812-398-5050. You can also call the IDOC central office at 317-232-5711, extension 2, extension 2. An unexpected victory in the new stimulus bill is the absence of any prohibition on stimulus payments for incarcerated people. The first stimulus bill, passed in March, made incarcerated people ineligible for direct cash payments. The IRS made an unauthorized attempt to exclude incarcerated people, but this action was overturned by the federal courts. In July, when Congress first started to consider a subsequent round of stimulus, the Senate Finance Committee proposed legislative language that would exclude incarcerated people from receiving funds, both going forward and retroactively. No such language appears in the bill passed in December, suggesting that this issue was probably the subject of negotiation. According to a draft report by the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General, undocumented immigrants kept in solitary confinement at the Imperial Regional Detention Facility, a federal center run by ICE in Calexico, California, repeatedly received inadequate medical care and moldy or spoiled food. The federal inspectors found facility managers served frozen food past its expiration date. Most of the detainees were held in solitary for two months, but two were held for 300 days. BuzzFeed News found that solitary confinement became a long-term fact of life for incarcerated immigrants in so-called protective custody, reserved for those inmates who need, quote, special supervision or housing due to risks to their safety, end quote. Those immigrants who appear to be at high risk of harm to themselves or others end up in so-called administrative segregation, ICE's term for solitary confinement. Immigrants in administrative segregation have to remain in their cells for 22 to 23 hours a day. The draft report says that in some cases, immigrants in solitary weren't evacuated in a timely manner and received inadequate medical care and recreation time, which is supposed to be an hour per day. This year, ICE had other instances of providing incarcerated immigrants with improper care and services. According to BuzzFeed News, this September, the House Oversight Committee discovered that ICE detainees died after receiving deficient medical care and that jail workers falsified records to hide abuses. Congressional leaders have plans to reinstate Pell Grants for incarcerated students more than 25 years after banning the aid for prison education programs. The deal would also repeal a 1998 law that restricts federal financial aid for college students who are convicted of a drug crime. The legislation, expected to be included as part of the year-end spending deal, would lift the prohibition Congress imposed in the 1994 crime bill 
that then-President Bill Clinton signed and Joe Biden championed as a senator. The maximum Pell Grant award will also be increased by $150, totaling $6,495 for the 2021-2022 school year. The federal government spends roughly $30 billion a year on the program for low-income students. The cost of providing Pell Grants to incarcerated students, which is allowed through a small pilot program, costs a fraction of that amount but has long been a political lightning rod. It is part of a sweeping package of higher education policies that the leaders of the House and Senate Education Committees negotiated over the last several weeks, and part of the $1.4 trillion spending bill which congressional leaders are planning to pair with the nearly $900 billion coronavirus economic relief deal. Nearly every inmate at Alaska's largest prison has contracted COVID-19, according to data from the State Department of Corrections. Corrections spokeswoman Sarah Gallagher estimated that 1,115 inmates out of a total 1,236 inmates at Goose Creek Correctional Center had tested positive for the virus since the first case was reported in the medium security facility in November. Gallagher said that only 112 COVID-19 cases were considered to be active in the prisons as of Monday. Throughout all Alaska prisons, 1,966 inmates, more than 40% of the total inmate population, have contracted COVID-19. Gallagher said that 192 people tested positive for the virus upon arrival at correctional facilities and another 1,774 people contracted the virus in correctional centers' general population. Since the pandemic began in Alaska, 22 inmates who contracted the virus have been hospitalized. Five have died, including two deaths within the last week. It remains unclear when general population inmates would be vaccinated, but the eight inmates who live in the infirmaries at either Goose Creek or the Anchorage Correctional Complex, because of medical conditions, have been vaccinated. 46 staff members have received the vaccine. Happy New Year. This week, we broadcast kites from Strawberry Hampton in Illinois and Daniel Dawson in Saskatchewan, who both called in this week to update us on their conditions. Strawberry Hampton, a black transgender woman and niece of Fred Hampton, shares the horrific abuses she's suffered inside. Hampton received a rare transfer to an all-women's facility after she was abused in a men's unit. She is back inside and continuing to face verbal and physical abuse. In our second conversation, Daniel Dawson gives important updates on their hunger strike in Saskatchewan. It was originally called last month as COVID spread uncontrollably inside the facility. Prisoners were simultaneously denied any effective quarantine support and were cut off from contact with family members. Up first, we have a message from Strawberry Hampton. Content warning for descriptions of assault. Hi, my name is Dion Strawberry Hampton. I'm a black transgender woman. I'm 29 years old. I will be 30 years old, February 16, 2021. Um, I go by the name of Strawberry. I am a political activist in the state of Chicago, Illinois. I have been in and out of prison for being a black transgender woman trying to make it in a society of a hateful world towards black trans and just transgenders and gay people in general. Recently, I was in IDLC while I was beaten and raped and tortured for years while I was a sex slave, while I was sexually degraded, sexually dehumanized. I was called all type of and I was chained up, beaten with my teeth kicked out my mouth. I had stood up for myself and I began to fight and 
once I began to fight, I realized that I do have a voice and that I do have a purpose in this life. I was told being transgender, I was an abomination. I was a creep. I was a weirdo and all type of things. And I was told that I didn't have no rights. But once I got to study and seeing that me being degraded and sexually abused was a violation of my Eighth Amendment. So I began to write grievances and process everything. And that's when the beating and stuff began to get tortured. They began to stop me. They began to beat me worse. They began to try to kill me. They had neglected my family to visit me. They blocked all my phone calls. Once I had got in tune with my lawyer, I was able to file a lawsuit. And while being in the lawsuit, I was able to accomplish success by being able to be the first black transgender woman to make it to a female prison in the state of Illinois where that has never happened before. Since being released from IDOC, I have been harassed. I have been targeted. My family has been targeted. We have been targeted, threatened by the government and the state. They have my brothers locked up. They have me back locked up. They charged me with fake crimes, saying that I committed crimes I didn't do. The courts is openly gay bashing me, calling me transvestites and f and it's and things. When I have openly told them I am a black trans woman, the courts have openly made it known that they're not going to help me, they're not going to give me justice, they're not going to protect me. So it's my job to bring awareness to the society and to the world to let y'all know the abuse and the horrible things that's happening to me. I am in danger. My family is in danger. And I ask that you all please help me bring a voice and bring awareness to the unjust and the discrimination of me and other trans women. Allow me to fight this fight, but also allow me to have a voice to y'all so I am able to show other trans women and other black people that they have a voice and they can fight for their rights. At this moment, I am incarcerated in DuPage County Jail. That's in Wheaton, Illinois. My ID number is 00260110. You can look me up on the website. Right now, I'm in segregation for nine months for speaking out for being physically abused by the deputies here. They have choked me. They have beaten me. They have ripped my clothes off me. And most importantly, they have discriminated against me openly. They call me all type of homophobic words. They have disrespected me. And when I speak out about it, I'm giving segregation time and five. I am a black political activist in the state of Illinois, and I am also the niece of the Black Panther leader, Fred Hampton. Due to my background and my family, we already been targeted. And due to me speaking out now to the public about the sexual abuse, the physical assault, the mental assault, I am being tortured. I am being mistreated in the courts are doing everything they can to discriminate against me, to falsely accuse me of crimes I didn't do, and to falsely incarcerate me. I need your voices, I need your help, and I ask that not only do you stand up and fight this fight with me, that we all come together as a unity. White, black, Mexicans, Native Americans, third world countries, I ask that we all come together to abolish prisons and fight the fight to stop people from being beaten and raped. These jails and counties and IDOCs is nothing but concentration camps. I consider them the modern-day Jim Crow and Holocaust. You have nothing but Hitler's and Donald Trump's in here. And we are being tortured and dehumanized on a daily basis. We are being starved. It's up to you to make a change. It's up to us to fight for a change. And I ask that you all please come together with me to bring awareness to the media and to the world about the abuse and the retaliation that me and my family is going through. At this moment, the courts is trying everything they can to get me in front of the judge as quick as possible so they can get a guilty verdict before I can get any help.
they killed my uncle before I was born because he was the revolutionary to bring justice and equality to the community. He fought to bring opportunities for home health care for children, edu better education, better treatment. Because, you know, in the time when he was out, you know, we was third-fifth of the white community, meaning that we wasn't equal to the white man. We wasn't equal to no one. We were still in modern-day slavery. We were just given a little bit of leeway to just have a little bit of, of the power, you know? And when they killed my uncle, they killed him in daylight when it was the government and the state attorney with his son laying in his hand. And, like, the story that I heard about my uncle, I would never forget. So by me being a niece of him, I feel like I own it to him to speak out against the unjust and the discriminatory of people that's racist and biased and prejudiced towards black people, towards black trans, towards trans people, period, towards the LGBTQ, towards white revolutionaries, towards black revolutionaries, towards people that fight for a cause for equality. Like I say, it's not just about black, it's about everyone as a whole. In prison, they take all your dignity and rights away. They do whatever they want to do to you. They talk down on you. They call you all type of derogatory words. They will kill you. I have watched them murder multiple black and Hispanic people. I have seen them hang people. They have a thing in prison called how many tickets I can write a day. So the guards come to jail, and it's one joint in South Pickneyville, and they call it Pickneyville because they purposely come there to pick black men and Mexicans to beat the out of them and put them in segregation. And they have games and all these different IDOCs where they just torture us, where they beat us, and prison is not the place to be. If you really listening, I ask that you please change before you come up and be done like me. I am mentally and emotionally scarred for the rest of my life. What happened to me, I wouldn't risk on my worst enemy. Every day I look in the mirror and I look at my broken teeth I'm reminded of the sexual abuse and the beatings that happened to me while being kicked in something in the face, while being choked and called all type of n****s and everything. So I ask that you learn three things about IDLC in prison. They will lie on you. They will write you bogus tickets to try to mess up your character. So if you try to file a lawsuit, they will try to show the public that you had all type of tickets that's really lies. They will take away your outdate. They will stop you from communicating with the world. And most importantly, they will kill you. If they feel you are a threat, they will kill you before you get your voice out there. And I was lucky enough to have a lot of inmates to stand up for me and have my back while I was in there. You know, the crazy thing about it is they would pay inmates to um, lie for them. So, like, they would get inmates to get on stand to lie for them, and they'll give an inmate, like, good time back. They'll get them TVs or commissary. So, it's a lot of people that's in there that don't have food or family support. So, about us not having, like, food and family support, they'll get on stand and lie for the state and government to, to paint a picture that's not true. So, the state bribe inmates and, you know, use them for when they being sued or being exposed for the corrupt things they're doing. I also ask that all my supporters and all the people that's in this fight with me, that you all support my GoFundMe page and my Patreon page. 
I ask that you all please donate to me so I'm able to buy food, I'm able to get health care, I'm able to get transportation when I'm released, I'm able to get a home, I'm able to, to provide for myself. Because being a black transgender woman in the family Illinois, I have been denied the right to get a job. I have been denied the right to have a home over my head. So I need help and I need protection. But most importantly, I ask that we fight this cause together and we fight to bring awareness to the media and to the public about the abuse, about the mistreatment of the government and how they modern day slave us, how they got me as a sex slave, how they beat me and how they tortured me, how they tortured my family, how they have my brothers locked up for crimes they didn't do, how they currently have me locked up for a crime I didn't do. I am a voice for you. I am a voice for me. I am a voice for everyone. And as long as you listen and as long as you are able to help and speak out and show that you are for the unity and for you are for the people. That's what matter most. It's up to you and me to bring awareness and it's up to us to make change. I want to say thank you all for listening to me because right now I am a, I am in a bad state of mind. I have constant suicidal thoughts. I am very depressed and I am going through a tremendous amount of stress and I am really, really overwhelmed right now. So by doing this, it gives me hope. It gives me a sense of peace to know that my voice is being heard and that someone is listening. These people is corrupt, they're faceless pigs, they're blue-eyed devil, and they're racist. And we must stop them at any cost. Because not only would they kill me, they will kill you, they will kill your family. We are a target. Anyone that speaks out against abuse, sexual abuse, or racism are targeted as terrorists. So we must fight and bring awareness so that we are able to be safe and we are able to be treated equally. Again, thank you all for listening to me and thank you all for hearing me. Like I say, I ask that you give me the voice and that you give me the platform and that you send my story to other newscasts and other public people so they can listen to. At this moment, I am a fighter. I am a black trans revolutionary fighter, and I will speak up for you. It doesn't matter your race, your color, or your gender or sexuality. It's about equality. It's about justice, and it's about being safe, and it's about being treated equally. And if I'm not being treated safe or having justice or no one else is, then there will not be peace. There should not be peace. Why should I respect the oppressor when they're doing nothing but harming and hurting me and other people like me? Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for this opportunity. My black is bold, my black is beautiful, and my black is the greatest story that's ever told. Thank you so much. This is Strawberry Dion Hampton coming to you live from DuPage County Jail. Oh, that just put a smile on my face. Thank you for listening. And if you want to reach out to me directly, I'm in DuPage County Jail, Wheaton, Illinois. My ID number is Zero zero two six zero one one zero. Happy holiday, happy late Christmas, and happy New Year. Up next, we share a conversation with Daniel Dawson, incarcerated in Saskatoon Correctional in Saskatchewan, Canada. Right now, they're trying. Like I just got called up to the office. They're trying to ask me or trying to convince me to tell the guys not to do it. They're they're saying it's not going to help anything that, like, you know, like, we were, we kind of asked them questions and stuff like that. Like, team leader came to the unit, we kind of asked them questions, but she never really had any answers. Just kept passing it over to, oh, Task Health Authority has saying this, and 
and blah, 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 and that. And, like, we're asking, like, questions like, why do staff quarantine for 14 days and then they can come back to work and walk through the halls and everything like that? And they're considered recovered. We've been on quarantine for 31, 32 days. We're considered recovered by their standards that from what they're telling the media, from what they're telling uh, their staff and everybody here that we're considered recovered, but we're still on quarantine. We don't get a yard. We don't get nothing like that. And she has no answers to that. Like, what, there's no reason. It, it doesn't make sense to me that they can come back to work after 14 days and walk these halls, mm-hmm. and we, it's different for us. Is that why you guys are hunger striking them? We're just doing it because we're tired of this. Like, we're tired of them not giving us answers. We're tired of it, all of it. Like, it's, it's, we have lack of access to health care. Guys put into medical requests to see mental health, to see the doctor, to see nothing. We, we have no access to the doctor. If the nurse comes talk to you through the food slot of the bubble, and she designates everything. Guys putting complaints with no answers. We have no, we have no, like, we have di- a lot of disrespect coming from staff. Like, we're, we have a lot of guys here whose who's mental health and, like, our physical, our mental health is deteriorating. Like, we're, we've been cooped up in a dorm for uh, 31, 32 days, mm-hmm. and we have no access to nothing. And then we get done by staff. They turn the lights on in the morning. They, they're disrespectful to us when we grab our meals. Like, it's just, it's getting sickening, and, and guys are getting fed up with it. Then even after we started told, telling her we're going on hunger strike and everything like that, she came out had a discussion with us. They're denying us razors now. They're, because they think, I think they think something's going to happen with them. So they're denying us razors at the bubble now. So they moved us. Like, mm-hmm. yesterday or two days ago, we got strip searched. They come in. They hauled us all to the gym, and then they strip-searched us and let us let us play volleyball in, in the gym. So how can they move us for strip-searching and purposes like that and not for anything else? Like, it just it, it doesn't make sense. They're actually calling me to the bubble right now. I'm not actually supposed to be on the phone. I got my phone taken away. Well, no, they said I'm in the shower. They said I'm in the shower, so I'm, I'll stay and talk to you for right now, mm-hmm. and I'll go and talk to them after... But yeah, I'm not, I got my phone taken away. I put in numerous complaints. Like they said that I'm under investigation for smuggling contraband into the correctional facility and blah, blah, blah. I've never been charged, institutionally charged with anything. I've never been street charged with anything. I've never been found with any drugs on me. I've never been nothing. My phone has been taken away for the last three months. They keep saying put in a list of pro-social contacts. I put my mom's name in. They don't approve it, nothing. I've had no phone for three and a half months. During this whole COVID pandemic, I, I caught COVID. I have had no access to call family members, nothing. What are the grounds? I know it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I've called the ombudsman. They at all. From what the jail tells him, they have grounds. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why haven't I been charged? I haven't been found with any contraband, anything on me, nothing. Like, even they offered, like, the one team leader wanted to test me. I told her, okay, take me. I'll go for a test right now. She's like, oh, no, 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 you're being... I got fired from my job as a COVID domestic and blah, just a bunch of stupid... It's pretty hard to bring drugs in there when there's no visits. I know, it, it's ridiculous. So what they do, I've case during my whole time in the jail and everything, I've had... I, a lot of stuff. So investigations of me bringing into open, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but I've never once been charged with drugs. 
even on the streets. I've never once been found with drugs on me in the institution, but I get rated. I, I don't even get institutionally charged. I get rated high security, moved off my unit, specifically singled out from 30 other guys that are doing drugs just because all of a sudden there's guys on the unit doing drugs and guys have stayed up for days or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I get singled out from all of them. And you have one minute remaining for this call. Are you gang members? No. No, not at all. I, I, I have, I know all of them, everybody. Like, I've done a lot of jail time, so mm -hmm. I know everybody. But, like, yeah, it's weird, yeah. Thank you to Daniel and Strawberry for sharing updates. We'll have links to the fundraiser Strawberry mentioned on our website, along with information on how to contact her. We'll also have the information for the call-in we mentioned on our website. Special thanks to Perilous Chronicle for sharing the conversation with Dawson. You can see their work at PerilousChronicle.com. This has been KiteLine. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. You can hear previous episodes of our show at wfhb.org forward slash KiteLine. You can follow KiteLine Radio on all social media platforms. If you want to support our work, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash KiteLine Radio Show. Any funds raised beyond operating costs will be sent to folks on the inside. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening. <laughs>